Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the Healthy Gut Podcast with Rebecca Coombs, the place where you can learn how to achieve a happy, healthy gut. Here's what's coming up on today's show. Welcome to episode 76 of the Healthy Gut Podcast. Today I'm joined by Amy Mahali and we talk all about the GAPS diet. Now it's really interesting, I recorded this interview with Amy a couple of months ago but I am now doing the GAPS diet. I decided to do GAPS as my way of reintroducing food after the elemental diet. And I've got to say, I'm really enjoying it. My gut feels calm. It's a really slow and steady approach to reintroducing food. And it's simple. I find it simple anyway. So I really hope you enjoy today's episode with Amy. She's a board certified family nurse practitioner, a certified GAPS practitioner and author who successfully changed her life by changing her diet. After researching and attempting multiple options, which barely managed symptoms and did not address the root issues, Amy learned about the GAPS healing protocol. Healing through GAPS has restored health and hope to Amy's life. GAPS has reduced or eliminated many of her intrusive symptoms, including IBS, migraines and depression. Bringing her experience, she now uses GAPS principles to address people's health concerns at the root cause within her own practice, Be Well Clinic in Loveland, CO. We talk about the core principles of the GAPS protocol, the difference between GAPS and the other SIBO diets, and why someone might choose GAPS as their protocol when they're also dealing with SIBO. And we talk about how to start on the GAPS protocol and also how to transition to one of the more broader versions of the diet. So I hope you do enjoy today's show. It's really great timing given that I am doing the GAPS introduction diet myself and I've got to say I'm loving it. So I hope you enjoy today's episode with Amy Mahali. Welcome to the Healthy Gut Podcast, Amy Mahali. It's lovely to have you on the show today. Thanks so much for having me. I'd love for you to start off by um, sharing a little bit about your own personal experience with health because you've definitely had uh, a roller coaster ride of things that you've gone through um, yourself to get you to where you are today. That is very true. Um, yes, I have. I really have always been 
Um, I do the GAPS protocol, which we're going to talk about a lot. And when I read Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride's book, I went, oh, that's me, which was so great. Um, There are so many things that I experienced growing up, Um, always depressed, always sad, um, always sick, sinus infections, a lot of food intolerances, a lot of mood swings and things like that, um, that I thought were normal because I was a kid and you just think that's normal. And then as I grew up, I learned about more things. Um, I had headaches that got pretty bad, um, migraines pretty often. And I started to finally find, um, paleo as my first introduction and in CrossFit, um, the uh, difference when I didn't eat dairy, when I didn't eat sugar, and when I didn't eat gluten. So that was my first introduction into Um, eating changed how I did and and my health. And that was great. Um, I went from there. I had quite a few ups and downs. Um, One of them was actually a a booster of a vaccine that kind of threw me into a couple of new food allergies um, or intolerances that got worse. And I was searching for something else. I had a lovely friend who introduced me to the GAPS protocol. And after arguing with her about why it wasn't good, I found out it actually was a great thing um, and have really looked at doing that. So then in February of 2013, I started the GAPS protocol myself. Um, Within a few days, I had an amazing um, moment of realization. I woke up and I wrote in my journal, um, I now know why people want to be alive. And that was a really huge thing for me because I had spent a lot of times, sometimes being happy or healthy or working hard to, you know, be okay with where I was at. But I woke up with an innate sense of wanting to live my day and be alive in the future. And that was new to me. And while my body and mind didn't keep um, perfectly well from that day on, it wasn't like day three and I'm all better. But from then on, there was a different hope that I had never had. And I knew that um, GAPS was good for me. So um, I walked through the protocol and within a few months decided that I needed to be a, a GAPS practitioner. I had just graduated nurse practitioner school a few months before that and um, had been looking and thinking about what I was going to do for my career. So it was a perfect timing for an introduction for that. And it's quite an interesting journey walking through GAPS, which I'm sure we'll talk somewhere about. Um, but When I did it, I came from not only all those things, but I had also really shot my brain um, from school, eight years of college, and I was not finishing sentences, um, having to ask people what I was asking, talking about, because it was so, it was gone. So there were so many things that I had to learn and slowly progress. Um, So my business grew as my health grew, (laughs) Um, but it's been a really great journey. It's really interesting, isn't it, what um, can happen to our poor brains when we put them through so much exertion and effort and coupled with um, our body just not coping very well with food. I smiled as you talked about, um, you know, feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm a new person within a few days of changing what you were eating because that was exactly how I felt the first time I altered my diet and that was to come off gluten and dairy Mm -hmm. um, when I was trying to figure out a way to stay off the operating table with my endometriosis. Mm -hmm. And I had exactly that same feeling. I was like, oh my, this is what it feels like to be alive. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. It's incredible, isn't it? How much of an impact 
food that we are told we should be eating is actually having on our bodies. Yeah, it is it is amazing and just yeah, there are so many things that we are told are normal or told are fine or that don't affect it and it's it's just not true. We actually have a lot of control of what we do and um what we eat is going to change a lot, which is encouraging. It is. So let's talk about the GAPS protocol um, for anyone who's listening that hasn't heard of it. Firstly, what does it stand for? Yes, that's a great question. The GAPS protocol stands for gut and psychology syndrome. And Dr. Natasha is also working on another book called Gut and Physiology Syndrome. Um, She wrote her first book really focusing as a neurologist on the brain, but she also realizes there's a significant physiology or physical body um, to it. So happily, that's the same acronym. And what it is, is a connection of, excuse me, the gut and the brain, the psychology um, aspect of our lives. And why would somebody... um choose the GAPS protocol um, as something that they might go and go and do with their diet? Yes. So choosing the GAPS protocol, there's, there's lots of reasons to do it. There's lots of things that it can help. Um, I look at it as a difference um, as some other things is the GAPS protocol is a, a healing a healing protocol. So it's not just a do and don't eat this and that, but it walks you through when your body's here, here's what you eat. Now we've gotten to this stage, so now it's ready for this. So either when something else hasn't worked or you really need healing deeply and badly um, or or various other reasons, that would be the reason to choose the protocol. And how would somebody determine where they are? Um, like you said, if you're here, you eat this. If you're there, you eat that. How do you determine that? Yeah, so there are well, seven technically stages on the GAPS protocol. There's six introduction stages, and then there's what's called the full GAPS diet. And where you're starting depends. So a lot of people think, oh, I have to start on the introduction diet, which is a great place to start for most people. But there are a few times that starting on the full GAPS is actually better. Uh, basically, those times are if you are new to cooking, going to stage one can be overwhelming. It can also be simpler. It depends on you. Um, going, if you have a lot of constipation, it's really not great to remove all of those fresh vegetables. And if you just need to practice making meat stock or making whole food, and you've been used to eating out of boxes, that is a time to stay on the full gaps first. And then introduction can be done at any point. Once you get to introduction diet, those stages are really the powerhouses of healing. So stage one is just meat stock. It's a a short cooking time, a lot of meat, a little bit of bone with a joint that you are consuming the meat, the stock, and the vegetables that you boil in it. And that's that's it. That's stage one. There's so much nutrient-dense food in there that's very easy for your body to digest. Once you start going into the stages and you stay long enough, I recommend minimum of five days on a stage, your body is able to start giving you feedback about how it's doing. It's like an elimination diet. Once you start removing things and you put them back in, you realize, oh my goodness, that was actually a problem. So when you go down to just stock and just meat and just boiled vegetables, then when you get to stage two, which is mostly an egg yolk, 
your body will let you know, oh, I'm actually not ready for that, or it is ready for that, and you won't have any symptoms or diarrhea or brain fog or any other kind of problems. So all your journey through your stages is going to be based on that. You listen to your body. Once you've established, I'm in a good space on this stage, then you go forward and trial the next stage and ask your body, hey, are you ready to go on? And it will let you know if you're paying attention. And is that one of the challenges for people in terms of tuning in with what what their body is actually telling them? It is a huge challenge. Um, it's actually my biggest passion is teaching people to listen to their bodies and and learning how to hear what I call being a speaking partner in their health. If you think of your body and you kind of as two people who are partnering, you both want the same things, even though we may not believe that, especially if we've had a chronic disease for a really long time. We don't necessarily believe that our body wants to be healthy because it's not seeming to prove that that's true. So we we tell it to be quiet. Um, And we've done this since we were kids, most of us. We get up with an alarm clock instead of sleeping as long as we need to. We stay up late, even though our body says we're tired and to go to bed. Um, It's not mealtime, so you're not allowed to eat. Or it is mealtime, you have to eat now, even if you're not hungry. We tell it how much to eat, what to eat. Oh, you're only allowed to have a salad. Or you can't have four steaks or whatever. We're constantly telling our body it, it can't speak into what is best for us. So I'm very passionate about helping people hear and listen. What is your body telling you? Can you trust your body? It, it does want health just like you do. It wants to be productive and happy and, and good. So listening and learning to listen to your body really um, is a challenge. The other thing, what happens is as we have sicker and sicker bodies, the signals that are telling us or what we call symptoms, those signals start getting shut down and they're not allowed to inform us what's going on because they're overwhelming. So a pain signal, for example, from your foot, if you keep walking on a twisted angle long enough, it will get numb. It will stop hurting because you're not listening and there's no benefit to pain if you're not going to do anything about it. In the same way, our gut pain or um, a joint thing or a nervous system issue can get turned off if the signal goes on long enough. So as we start healing the body, sometimes those signals come back on stronger. So then there's this decision of, is this a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> because um, it may be a new symptom. So it really is a complicated thing that anyone can figure out. It helps to have a, someone working with you, but um, you got to stick with it and, and keep listening and trusting and being a detective, trying to figure out what your body's going to do. One of the um, five key pillars to health that I developed through my own journey back to health was the first step was awareness for this very reason, was reconnecting with one's body so that we can start to listen and tune in with what it says because I was that very person that um, had just tuned out. I had masked all my symptoms with painkillers and various um, over-the-counter pharmaceuticals because I didn't want to feel or hear anything. And then when I started to heal my gut and and I discovered that I had SIBO and then I started really connecting in and leaning into my body, I was blown away by how much my body told me when I chose to listen to it. And one of the challenges that my clients face, because I now coach people with SIBO, 
I have my own SIBO coaching program. One of the first steps that we have in our program is tuning back into a body. And for some people, they can get it straight away. Their first week, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm tuned in, Rebecca. This has been amazing. For other people, it can take months for them just to reconnect because they've they've so consciously tuned out for so many years of their life that tuning back in is, is can be quite challenging. How do you work with those people, um, like some of my clients, who just it just feels like an insurmountable wall to get back tuned in? Yes, and that's wonderful that you're doing that. I'm so glad. Yeah, so a lot of it is just continuing on, and a lot of it is is being there for them. Because those signals come in, especially if you've come to the mindset that signals are bad, that symptoms are something to be suppressed. Um, I first work with people changing the mindset, thinking of them as signals instead of symptoms, because we think of symptoms as bad, but signals were like, oh, that that contains information. So naturally, that already helps our brains um, grasp onto something that was different before. But a lot of it is being there for them, talking them through, teaching and and using those teachable moments, for lack of a better word, of, oh, yeah, I, I'm seeing this connection. So I don't just listen to what people tell me and tell them an answer. I talk them through my mindset and teach them by, by learning, by osmosis almost. Here's what I'm thinking. Here's how to develop that mindset. But a lot of it's patience. A lot of it's reassuring. It's really hard um, for anyone listening. It's hard to get in touch, and that can be a really challenging thing for some people. Some people are already there naturally, and um, if you're not that person, it's okay. <laughs> you're not that person, but you can get there. So so we talked about sort of the first two phases of the GAPS protocol, the first being um, a, a meat bone broth and the second adding an egg. Where do you go from there? What's step three or phase three of it? Yeah, so stage three is a little more exciting. You get to have the whole egg, which is scrambled, um, and then you get to add avocado is the main ones. Each of these have some other little nuances, but this is the main representation of each stage, let me start at the beginning. So each stage has some level of increasing complexity. So when you have an egg yolk, you're adding a new food. Egg white is a different food. That's a detoxing, harder to digest food um, than an egg yolk is. Um, you also add on stage three an avocado. Avocado is a, the first raw plant food you're doing as well as a different kind of fat and a different kind of fiber. So each stage you're you're building on something and that something is a little more complicated and it's testing how healed is your gut. Um, If your gut's not able to tolerate that food, that means that you're only to this level of healing. If you get stuck at a level, um, does that mean you're stuck there forever? Uh, let's say you've got to stage three, level three, and you're and you're like, oh, I can't progress beyond this. What what happens? Yes, yeah, so that is exactly the verbiage people will use. Is I got stuck at this level, and that does happen using those same words, but it's not a forever. No, it's not. Sometimes you have to evaluate what you're doing. Oftentimes I found it's not enough animal fat or not enough meat stock. Um, Those are your two powerhouse of healing foods. Um, Fermented vegetables are the other ones. Sometimes you just have to wait until your gut flora catches up 
because your gut flora is part of what maintains the integrity of that intestinal wall. So when you're at stuck at a stage, when you're at a stage and you have to kind of hang out there for a while, um, there's two things. Sometimes it's just time. And this is a really hard thing because um, instant gratification is so much better and so prevalent. And we want to just be able to go through the stages in five days apiece and why am I here and why has it been two months or whatever. Um, sometimes it's just time and healing. It's not always something that you can change or fix to do better, but sometimes it is. So whenever you're at a stage for a while, um, it's good to evaluate. And sometimes that's the time to reach out to someone else to say, hey, am I missing something? Am I seeing something? Even a reminder of the things you need to do. I have a couple of friends who have told me, hey, um, have you had meat stock in a while? <laughs> well, no. So um, it's just helpful to have those that other voice in your corner helping you out. And when you get to a new stage, as I, um, as I understand it, you're just adding those new foods to the existing list of foods, aren't you? Yeah. So it's not like you then just only start eating avocado. Yeah. <laughs> you're just adding avocado. How do you um, – one of the things I can hear people thinking is, but avocado is so high FODMAP. Why would you be doing that? Um, there's so much fear around certain foods because of certain protocols yeah. that it creates a huge amount of fear and phobia around us eating what is a totally fine, healthy, normal food such as avocado. Yeah. If somebody has perhaps been doing a low FODMAP diet and they're considering trying the GAPS protocol, but they they know, gosh, you just don't go near avocado because that's the scary food. Um, how, do you, how do you work with your clients um, and patients to uh, overcome those, those kind of predetermined fears or concerns around what is otherwise a healthy food? Yeah, that's great. Great question. So um, one of... My my overall answer, which is my answer for anyone having any types of question, whether it's should I eat this or can I eat this or I'm not sure if this works for me, is I believe you. If your body is telling you that it's not okay, then it's not okay. However, if media has told you that it's not okay, that's that's not a reasonable excuse to me. Um, so again, just like planning and testing that next stage. We're just looking for what's good for our body at this time. I have two really big picture definitions. I define a toxin as anything not helpful to the body at this time. And then everything else is a not toxin. It's something that's helpful. But for some people, an avocado at that moment is a toxin. It's, it's not helpful. But at other times, it is. There are some toxins like hemlock that none of us eat. <laughs> but other toxins like um, dairy is a toxin to some people, but not to other people. Um, so when you're looking at that, I would just encourage people to listen and trust your body. Your body is going to tell you what's important now. And sometimes what's good and okay now is not good and okay in a couple of months and vice versa. So see what that does for you. Try one little teaspoon, half a teaspoon, a tiny bite of avocado and see if you're going through. Now, as you're going through the stages, if there's a food that you know gives you problems, I have lots of kids that go through gaps and they can't add eggs until they're six months into gut healing because, you know, seven days, their gut symptoms are gone. But when they add that egg yolk, which is something they were reacting to, they're not ready for that. That's okay. Um, so you can move through the stages while skipping certain foods, but you do need to kind of do that time. And it 
it's tricky because sometimes like you could skip avocado, but it kind of is also telling you you need to be there. So there's this balance of if I had a known egg issue, for example, I'm going to go past that stage without doing the egg yolk. But um, if you have avocado problems when you didn't before, then your body's saying, um, no, we can't actually go on. We can't digest this yet. Mm, yeah, that's really interesting. And so we're, we got to um, phase three. What happens when you get to phase four? Phase four is the best. Uh, it's so exciting. Phase four, you get to eat meat that's not boiled. <laughs> the best phase ever. So um, in stage four, we go from the really concentrated, you can think of it as breast milk foods in one, two, and three, easy to digest, very nutrient dense. Then we start adding a cleansing aspect. Four, five, and six are where you start adding raw juicing, raw vegetables, then raw fruit. When you do that, plants, we consider plants largely cleansing. So you're, you're transitioning your body into being able to cleanse. And we've gotten it strong enough in the last phases to be able to handle the fiber and the sugar in those vegetables and fruits. So you start with juicing and you start with um, roasted or broiled meats, which are just lovely. And that is the, the decent major part of stage four. You can also do um, nut baked um, nut breads and things like that. I actually recommend saving all nuts introduction until full gaps to my patients because number one, we don't process nuts very well and most people aren't going to soak or ferment them. I've also seen nuts affect hormones in a pretty significant way. So I want people to be a lot better at listening to their body, being cleaned up, being able to know if nuts really affect them or not. So I tell them to wait until full gaps to add any kind of nut products. That's really interesting. And, and I'm just thinking about the um, the broader SIBO diets that people follow. Nuts are generally included or, or many nuts are generally included. And people often eat quite a lot of them because they've stripped out the sort of carbohydrate dense foods. Uh, so they're looking for alternatives. And I often have that conversation with people, um, you know, is they go, gosh, I'm, I just keep getting these signals, as you call them, which I think is great. Um, and I often say, well, how many nuts are you eating? Yeah. What? Let's go through what your nut intake is. And they'll be having huge amounts of nuts every day. And, and we'll, I'll often say, well, have you considered perhaps just pausing on the nuts? Let's just pull them out for a little bit. Let's just see. Let's see what's happening with your body. And, and the, when the nuts come out, they're like, I feel so much better. It, ha it happens to my people a lot too. That's happened often. So, yeah. yeah. One, if I may, one interesting thing about nuts is if we really look at what is a nut, it's a seed. It wants to be a plant. And all seeds, so nuts, grains, seeds, and beans, all have those anti-nutrients, um, anti-enzyme inhibitors that protect it from getting digested. So even if we grind it up, those enzyme inhibitors and anti-nutrients are still active unless we take another step. And that's what the soaking, sprouting, or fermenting does. So even if you can tolerate nuts, and even if they don't mess with your hormones, which happens to a lot of people, um, and your moods, you still have an inflammatory reaction happening in your gut because of the seed itself has enzyme inhibitors attacking your body to keep it from being digested. So that's why it's really important. Um, and I, my, 
I really recommend just to only have nuts if you're going to take the time to soak and sprout them. Let's just talk about how you actually do that. Um, like how long should you soak nuts for? Do you soak different nuts for different times? And how do you start sprouting them? That's a good question, hey? I've got loads more just like this coming up after this break. We'll be back in a moment. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Let's just talk about how you actually do that. Um, like how long should you soak nuts for? Do you soak different nuts for different times? And how do you start sprouting them? Yes. So there, there are three levels and you can do any of them. So soaking is in salt water and that's the bare minimum. The different nuts are different times. Um, Sally Fallon in the Nourishing Traditions book, is the best resource for that, or you can probably find it on different blogs. Um, mostly it's overnight or 24 hours, depending on the nut. Um, that just neutralizes the bare minimum of things and makes it not so inflammatory. The next best step is to do the soaking. So soaking is you soak them overnight, and then you drain the water and put them in the sunshine, just like we did in science class, and try to germinate that seed till it gets a little tail. Some of them are very small. Almonds are just tiny, tiny things. Um, so you do that uh, 24, 48, sometimes 72 hours, um, depending to sprout that seed. And then you can either use them wet or you can dry them um, in an oven. You want to do it on low heat if possible to preserve the active enzymes. Then fermenting. Um, fermenting has a lot of benefit because not only does it neutralize everything and draw out the nutrients to make them available, it also pre-digests that seed for us a little bit. So fermenting is actually the easiest, in my opinion, as long as you can tolerate whey. So you take some whey that you strain from your yogurt or, or kefir, and you put, uh, let's see, is a quarter cup for about two cups of water um, or two cups of flour. So depending on if you're soaking them wet and whole or if you're soaking almond flour, you can ferment almond flour by just adding whey. Leave it on the counter for 24 hours and then drain the water off of its whole nuts or use that dough and it's so light and fluffy and delicious. Um, use that dough to then do your baking um, of your bread products and you won't need it's like baking soda. It's great. And it won't irritate your body so much. Well, I have not done that. I have not fermented my almond flour, but I'm going to give that a shot because that sounds fantastic. I can just, I'm visualizing it's, it as you're talking about it. It sounds like I, a really I said two thing. cups <laughs> and it's actually two and a half cups of, of almond flour, um, per quarter cup of sorry, per half a cup of whey. You just need enough whey to get it all wet. But two and a half cups is a great recipe amount. So I wanted to clarify. 
Mm, yeah, that's great. So we'd got to um, phase four where you, you could introduce some um, roasted meats, which yeah. yum, <laughs> sounds great, and and then the nuts. So let's talk us through phases five and six. What um, what happens with those two phases? Yes, and four also has the juicing, um, which starts off on your non-fibrous but sugar content of your raw vegetables. So when you move on to stage five. And you have the first thing is a raw pieces of vegetable like peeled cucumbers, um, soft parts of salad. So you're just really testing your fiber ability to digest fiber and the irritability, uh, make sure mucus and other things don't come back. So um, that's the main thing of five. After you get that going, you can add fruit to your juicing just a little bit, much less than 50% of fruit. To juicing the vegetables. And then you're also going to add some cooked fruit, which is exciting too. Um, apples are a great one to start with. Make your own applesauce, add a lot of animal fat, ghee, butter, something like that. Um, so that's five. And once you're really tolerating all of that really well, stage six is a transition into full gaps. So you start with um, adding a little bit of peeled raw apple and then add some fruit. Um, citrus can be a little tricky for some people, so it's good to kind of leave that till the end so it doesn't push you back a bit and you have a lot of healing going on. And then you just start adding. Full Gaps has a, a bigger list if you look at the allowed and not allowed foods. Um, so stage six is really transitioning into can you tolerate apple, then you're good to go to start experimenting um, with what kind of foods and fruits you can tolerate, doing some more nut baking, adding a little more sugar, a little more honey, not sugar, um, honey into your diet. So that is six is transitioning onto full gaps. And then with the full gaps, I can now understand why when you said at the beginning um, that some people start there and then kind of go back to starting at phase one, um, because I can imagine for some people the concept of working through this very methodical approach, um, you know, being very kind of measured with the foods that you eat could seem completely overwhelming to start with, particularly if you're coming off the standard American or Australian diet. Um, with the full gaps, um, what are the types of things that people are eating with that protocol? Yeah, so full gaps in many ways can look very similar to a lot of other um, diets, paleo. Um, there are a lot of things that I, I'll tell people, um, anything paleo is full gaps, but well, pretty much, except uh, uh, sweet potatoes. We still don't do sweet potatoes. No starches, grains, or um, processed sugar, including uh, maple syrup, which is another difference. But for the most part, it'll look similar. You can use a lot of the same recipes. But the, the deal with full gaps, why, why it brings that healing, is you're continuing the meat stock. You're continuing the fermented vegetables, which I failed to mention in all of the stages, but there's also progression of eating different fermented vegetables. Um, you do full fat dairy and all of these things. So once you get to full gaps, it's a lot more uh, relaxed in the structure and you can really listen to what your body's asking for. And this is where it's really neat and you really get to learn about how your body is working. There are days where you may just want to eat stock all day. You're only just drinking stock. Maybe you have a little piece of a chicken leg, but that's all you want to sip on. 
Then a few days later, you may just want steak and you have four steaks and some sauerkraut. And that was just an amazing meal. Then a few days later, you might have salads and eat nothing but salad and water all day because your body's in a cleansing mode. So we're, we're really in full gaps. Your job is to keep out the foods that are going to cause problems. I'm going to feed that bad gut flora, going to irritate your intestines, um, going to spike your blood sugar and all those things. And just listen and go with what your body's asking for um, within the definition of um, what's legal on the GAPS diet. Let's talk about using the GAPS protocol for conditions like SIBO um, and how somebody with an overgrowth of bacteria in their small intestine or even a, f- <clears throat> excuse me, a fungal overgrowth, SIFO, uh, because um, that often goes hand in hand with SIBO, um, how the GAPS protocol might be supportive to somebody with one of those conditions. Yes. Um, GAPS is definitely supportive. And what is so neat about GAPS and why it encompasses so many things is because it really looks to support the body to do the work. It looks to reverse what got us in the place in the first place. Um, When you look at the three kind of pillars or legs of the stool of GAPS, there's first we're addressing the gut flora. And then we do that with probiotics and Um, fermented foods. We'll come back to that since that's such a big deal with SIBO. The second one is addressing malnutrition. When we have bad gut flora that leads to leaky gut, gut dysbiosis, we're not absorbing food properly, even if we're eating decent food, um, let alone eating poor standard American diet food. So we really need to address the malnutrition. And that's the other reason that the introduction diet is so important because we're giving such nutrient-dense foods that feeds everybody. Our immune system is so hungry. Our hormone system is built really a lot on cholesterol and other minerals. Our neurotransmitter system is, is the same. So we have all these hungry organs that have just been trying to limp along. We've got to feed them. Uh, Our detoxification pathways is the third stool, and that's largely overwhelmed as well. Because that detoxification happens, um, I'm sorry, because so many toxins come from bad gut flora releasing them, from the poor food, from not having good flora to bind toxins as they come in. So all of that is another thing that really um, is addressed by GAPS. So here we have our detoxification systems are getting fixed. They're getting cleaned up. The body's getting cleaned up. So we're able to um, better detox and deal with things that are coming at us. So now we're no longer so sensitive to that perfume in the store. Then we have our malnutrition is being corrected. Our immune system's able to start functioning properly. Then we have the bacteria itself. What what decided that it should or was allowed to grow? A lot of what was allowed to grow was either allowed by the immune system or by default allowed by the immune system. Maybe the immune system didn't like it, but it couldn't do anything about it. So GAPS focuses on making that immune system so strong that it will start kicking things out. Um, It does this with parasites because parasites clean toxins for us. Once our toxins are cleaned out of our body, the immune system just dumps them. And it, it does. There's this communication. All of a sudden, someone has worms in the toilet. And that, that has happened before to different people on the GAPS protocol. All of a sudden, you know, some years later or whatever, all of a sudden we've got worms in the toilet. They did nothing specific to address the worms. The immune system just said, don't need you anymore. So when we have um, SIBO, 
bacteria, um, the same thing. We're addressing, one, the immune system to stop allowing more to build up or new things to come in, and then to start addressing those to go away. Um, at the same time, the GAPS is so nourishing to the neurological system, which is very important as well in SIBO to repair. It's so important to repair, most definitely. Um, if somebody is on another SIBO diet, for instance, and they're listening to us chat today and they're thinking, oh, this really sounds like uh, you know, something that I'd like to try, what's your advice on how someone can transition from a different protocol where it's got its own rules and regulations to the GAPS protocol? Yeah, I think the biggest thing would be to take, take them side by side and look at the commonalities. I am a huge fan of adding rather than taking away. And I think it's a great mindset in everything. Um, if we're going around saying, I can't do that, I can't do that, I can't do that, that doesn't help our heart at all. Um, we can get really feeling deprived and it doesn't put us in a good healing mind state, state of mind. So looking at, okay, these are the same. If I, probably a lot of people's diets, if they look at them, they could be doing gaps, except that they're missing some of the things like meat stock or enough animal fat or fermented vegetables potentially. Um, and so looking at full gaps versus what you're actually on right now, seeing what the differences are, there may not be a lot, and then start adding. Add in meat stock. Make a pot of meat stock every day. I'm sorry, every week or day if you need it, but once a week and start drinking a mug or two a day. Um, increase your animal fat increase the fermented vegetable and the variety of vegetables that you are eating and just start adding that and see what kind of things are different. Um, after you transition to full gaps and are in that mindset, um, a specific set of foods and whatnot, and have the meat stock and fermented vegetables and animal fat in place, then consider going through the introduction diet. Cause again, that one through three, especially those are the powerhouses of healing stages. Um, that if you really want to do good work in your body and give it a lot of energy, food, resources, and not distraction to heal, that's why we hang out in one to three for that. You mentioned probiotics and fermented foods, and, and they can be um, points of uh, great debate amongst the SIBO community around whether you should do them when you're dealing with your SIBO, whether you should wait till after you've cleared the overgrowth. Um, what's your thoughts on on those um, two particular things? Yeah, yes, there is great debate. Um, one thing I don't have a great debate about, which is prebiotics. Um, for the most part, prebiotics feed indiscriminately. And um, GAPS does, it can definitely take the flora down to low everywhere, lower, not, not super low. Um, but the bad bacteria, those ones that live off sugars and starches and grains are going to survive, not going to survive as long as the ones that are compatible with us and that can survive on, on meat and other things. So my answer really is listening to your body. Um, if they, if you feel like it's too much, it's too intense, then go ahead and, and back off or not start until you have some healing. And more importantly, until you have signals and a knowledge of the signals coming from your body so that if you start a probiotic or if you start a new fermented food, your body can tell you if it's a good idea or not. And remember, different probiotic profiles from either powders or vegetables or dairy or other vegetables 
all are going to interact with your body differently. So one story I like to tell is I love sauerkraut. I worked up on sauerkraut pretty quickly. I could easily eat a cup to a cup and a half a day and or per meal. A lot, a lot of sauerkraut. Then I started to want to address um, some other flora, um, candida particularly, and I started doing milk kefir. And I dipped the spoon in the kefir and would lick the spoon off. And I would have a die-off reaction from that amount of probiotic. So even though I could eat cups of sauerkraut, when I changed the profile to something else, that something else attacked something that was in me. So we have the potential for every single um, probiotic strain to react differently to our bodies depending on what our microbiome looks like. And so there's, what do you do? My biggest recommendation is don't push your body too hard. It already has a lot to do and heal with. There's backlogged healing that needs to be done. So we want to press forward at a pace with probiotics that is helpful, but not one that is overwhelming. Sometimes helpful does mean a little bit of a interaction that might cause some die-off histamine reaction, but it's not going to be at a pace that's overwhelming to your body because then there's not a, any room for healing to happen. It's so important for us to listen to our bodies and I see in the the big online forums often with people having seen somebody else post saying, I'm taking this probiotic and then they go off and buy it and they're having really intense reactions and they're like, I keep taking it but I feel so horrible and that's such an important point that you make that every one of us is unique. Um, what our unique body needs is different to the person sitting next to us. And it's so important for us to tune in and listen to those signals that it's giving us so that we're really listening. Like, do you need this probiotic now? Like you said, the difference between sauerkraut and then a milk kefir, um, you know, and it could be completely opposite for someone else. Someone else could have a cup of the kefir and literally an eighth of a teaspoon of the sauerkraut and be like, whoa, too much. <laughs> But listening and tuning in is just so important. Let's talk about some other conditions that might um, improve through using a GAPS protocol. Yeah. So as we said in the beginning, the gut and physiology as well as the gut and psychology, why that covers so much. Um, So I'll, I'll name some here at the end, but why it covers so many things is because when we have an imbalance in the gut and the flora gets off and the leaky gut happens, we have both toxins and proteins that come into our body. The toxins can go anywhere um, in our body. And depending on what that toxin is, whether it's from a food dye or from a bacteria in your gut flora, where that goes and what it is will determine a specific symptom. And they've started to study some of those symptoms related to bacteria, especially in the um, autism world. But when we look at a symptom that's caused by a bacteria um, and your constitution has some to do with it, so this bacteria in your gut produces brain fog for you, or it produces joint pain, um, or it went to your thyroid and your immune system got involved and started attacking your thyroid, so you start getting an autoimmune disease developing. Um, Maybe it stays in your gut. Maybe it um, causes depression or anxiety, schizophrenia. Um, so many toxins attack your brain that it starts having seizure activity. So there's all these different things that depending on what the toxin is and where it goes, you're going to have symptoms that can be very numerous. 
On the other hand, you have proteins that come in through that leaky, porous gut. This is where our food and other allergies develop. So if we have proteins um, in the blood, they should not be there. The body correctly deals with those proteins by attacking them. Because if we have free-roaming proteins, they can go somewhere and start developing their own colony of proteins. We call that a tumor. We really don't want that. So the immune system is doing a great job when it attacks proteins in our bloodstream. The problem is proteins should never be in our bloodstream unless they're blood cells. So when we have foods get in, the body starts developing an allergy or an intolerance to that food. When we have autoimmune disease that starts um, allowing, say, the brain, for instance, um, brain tissue starts passing that blood-brain barrier, then we have an autoimmune reaction starting to happen in the brain. So proteins and toxins um, both can get healed with the gut protocol because we stop having the toxins coming in. We stop having the proteins getting through. We repair the balance of the flora in the gut so we don't have toxins being produced right locally in our gut. And then we support the detoxification system and the immune system to balance out and stop overreacting um, in the case of the immune system or function um, efficiently and not in an overwhelmed state in the case of the detoxification system. Talk to me about um, someone going through uh, the GAPS protocol on their own or working with someone like yourself who, um, and you work with people, you're a GAPS practitioner, and you work with people on um, going through this process. How does, how does that happen? What, what, um, talk us through what occurs when someone is um, working with you versus trying to do it on their own. Yeah. So when someone comes to see me, I get two different people, types of people come. Either they've done and started GAPS recently and got to a place where they were just needing some help, needing some outside um, support, or they're looking at doing and and they want some advice and help from the beginning. Or sometimes I have people coming to me with symptoms and I recommend the GAPS diet to them. So when we're looking at that, depending on where they come from, some people are already partly through the stages um, or have been doing it for a while. And so I'm looking and walking through, okay, what are you doing? What's your body telling you? Um, What seems to be helpful or not helpful? And also going through those um, basics of are you getting enough animal fat? Are you making meat stock instead of bone broth? Are you getting enough fermented vegetables and cultured dairy if that's an option? Um, And just trying to help meet them where they're at and start walking through um, to help them. On the other hand, when I have people come in either newly wanting to start or needing to start and I present it, we look at do you start full gaps or do you start in the stages, Um, really assessing where they're at. And some people are six months out from being able to start even full gaps because they're so far. And so, again, just the adding Start making a pot of meat stock once a week and drink it every day. Just add that in. Practice making meat stock. It takes a long time in the beginning to make meat stock because you're super nervous about it. It used to take me half an hour. It takes me five minutes and no brain power now because I've made so many pots. So practice that. Start your first ferment and make sure that you can actually ferment a, a vegetable or find a different source for that. Try to find where some pork fat is so you can start making your own lard and save yourself that um, expense. 
So really stepping them into how do we get you to a full gaps and or intro and then working with them. And then when they're working with me, um, some people need a lot of help and have a lot of questions and I have support packages for that. Other people just have a question once in a while. They just want to check in. Am I on the right track? Or here's this weird symptom that came up. What do you think is going on? Um, And so I just work with people where they're at. I am, like I said, passionate about helping people listen to their bodies. So my main goal is to work myself out of a job all the time. I'm going to explain everything to death so that um, you can understand what's going on with you. Because if you can forward, go forward successfully in your life and be able to know what your body's telling you and correct things um, before they become big deals, that's success to me. So um, that's really my goals. I love educating and I do that individually and, and otherwise. So It's just music to my ears and I absolutely love it. And we all have the power, I believe, to regain our health and live these incredible, fulfilling wonderful, happy, joyous lives. Uh, And we can do that when we start tuning in. Amy Mahali, it's been wonderful to have you on the show today. And I know I've learned a lot about the GAPS protocol. If somebody would like to reach out with uh, to you and perhaps they would like to work with you, um, they've listened to this and they're like, that really sounds like what I need. How can they make contact with you? Yeah. Thanks. I've really enjoyed being here today. So um, I have a website, it's bewellclinic.net, so B-E-W-E-L-L-C-L-I-N-I-C um, dot net, N-E-T. Um, that has, has everything I offer on it. Um, it has my um, different packages. I do um, Skype consults with people or email um, as well as um, if that's not the place you're in or you just want to learn a little more, I also have um, my book is available there called Notes from a Gaps Practitioner. It's also on Amazon, including in Australia. Um, and so that's how you can get in contact with me. If you fill out that contact form, it comes to my email. So Wonderful. And what I love about the current world is that we can um, – the opportunities for us to work with people, for, to find practitioners that we don't have access to in our local community has now just sort of exploded with things like Skype consults and it just is wonderful. It's a great way to now have the expertise of people from all around the world and building our dream team of health practitioners so that we can um, get ourselves back to health and live the life that we've been dreaming of for a long time for those of us that have been chronically ill for many years. So thank you so much for um, sharing your knowledge and uh, taking time out of your busy day to speak with us today on the Healthy Gut Podcast. You are so welcome. Thanks so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Amy As I said at the start of the podcast, I'm doing gaps and I'm really enjoying it. So I hope you learned some more about this way of eating. If you'd like to get the show notes from today's episode, just head to thehealthygut.com forward slash podcast, where you can see this podcast and all the other podcasts I have released. And if you would like to get the transcriptions from season two's podcasts, all you need to do is join as a member of the Healthy Gut Podcast. It's free to join. It means you get an email the moment a podcast is released and you get access to all of the written transcriptions from the shows in season two. 
It would mean the world to me if you could leave a rating and review in Apple Podcasts or the app you use to listen to this episode and the rest of the season. Not only does it help me to know that I am delivering a podcast that you're enjoying, but it really helps other SIBO patients know that this is the right podcast for them. And come say hi to us. We're on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Pinterest, and Google+. We love sharing free recipes, content, and all sorts of information around SIBO. So come say hi to us and connect with us on those platforms. You've been listening to the Healthy Gut Podcast with your host, Rebecca Coombs. To learn more about the Healthy Gut or our podcast, head to thehealthygut.co forward slash podcast. We would like to thank Red Lemon Productions for the production and original music score of this podcast. To find out more about their services, head to redlemonproductions.com. The Healthy Gut Podcast is a production of The Healthy Gut. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.